Hey, and welcome to the Vintage Church at Buffalo podcast. Here you'll find a teaching for your life from God's Word by Pastor Wes Aram. So, let's get to it. All right, grab your Bibles, hard copy that you brought with you, or your electronic device, that's good. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians 12. And on the back of your song sheets, there are notes and blanks to fill in, so you can follow along. And uh, I'm going to hold this over here for me. So, fantastic. So, 1 Corinthians 12 is where we're going to be in just a minute. But uh, we are in a series, like I said, connected based on John 15. Some of the last words that Jesus spoke to his disciples before he would be arrested and executed the next day on what we've come to know as Good Friday. And our theme has kind of been around uh, verse 5 in John 15 says, Jesus is speaking, saying, I am the vine, you, believers, are the branches. If a man abides in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. So three words, Jesus continues to speak to them and speak to us through his word, abide in me. Stay close, stay connected. Just like a branch stays connected to a vine so that it can experience life and growth and fruit. Again, remember, Jesus was about to hand off the most important mission in the face of all kinds of opposition. There isn't any greater mission. He's about to hand it off, and he doesn't give them a step-by-step plan or all kinds of strategies. Just three words, abide in me. Stay connected to me. That's what Jesus said. And so we've been looking at what that means as we've been walking through John 15. And now, tonight, we're going to look at another crucial aspect of what it means to abide in Christ. And it's right there in verse 5. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Notice that word branches. It's plural. You know what that means? Jesus wasn't just speaking to each of them. He was speaking to all of them. Why? Because Christianity is not a solo sport. God wants us not to live in isolation, but to follow Jesus together. All right? There is a communal aspect of our belief system that is critically important, a community aspect that is really, really important. And so Jesus says, you are the branches speaking collectively, speaking to this issue of community. Now we understand that from other passages of Scripture. We're going to look at one real quick tonight. Paul gives us a great example of that in 1 Corinthians 12. If you've been around Christianity, been around the church at all, you're uh, familiar with this passage. It's often called the body passage. In 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 14, please follow along as I read, because Paul is giving us an illustration of this communal aspect, this community, this togetherness that Jesus wants us as believers to experience as we abide in Him together. He uses the principal illustration of the body. Verse 14, Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But, in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Illustration is pretty obvious, okay? If every part was an ear, you know, where would the seeing be? You know, where would the smelling be? It's, it's pretty obvious. The logic is really, you can't get around it. It's, it's pretty clear. But here at verse 18, 
But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. That means that as a believer, as a Christ follower, God has especially and specifically designed you the way you are and placed you in the body right where he wants you to be. He has a role for you to play. God did that. We don't do that. We don't try to manipulate and maneuver our way into a certain thing. It says, but in fact, God has arranged, that means to put in place. That's what that Greek word means, to put in a specific place the parts in the body, every one of them. Nobody's exempt. No one's sitting on the sidelines. Every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Know what that means? That means we are never to look at somebody else and go, boy, I wish I was them. I wish I was them. Because you know what you're saying? You're saying God made a mistake. You know how serious that is? That's saying that God's really not God. Because God doesn't make mistakes. That's part of being God. He is perfect. But if we say, God, you made a mistake here, we're actually declaring, God, I don't really believe that you are God. Man, that's serious business. God wants us to know that he has placed us right where he wants us to be with the gifts, the abilities, the passions that he wants us to have. And as we stay connected to him, those things will grow and flourish. Satan wants you to compare yourself with other people. He wants you to do that because you, you'll lose. You'll lose every single time. Because if you think, well, I'm better than that person, that's pride. Uh, you lose. Okay? If you think, I'm worse than that person, you know, that's self-condemnation, self-pity. Uh, you lose. All right? We lose. That's why God says, don't do that. Fix your eyes on Christ. Stay connected to me. And I will put you where I want you to, to go so that as you follow me, things will happen. And think about it. You know, Satan wants us to compare ourselves with other people. Think about this for a moment. Okay? Follow me with this. Think of the people in your life that have really made an impact on you personally. In your person, in your character development, in your spiritual life. Think of those people. Were they the big, famous, super skill set, you know, massive amounts of money, that kind of person? Probably not. I think of the people that made a difference in my life. They were not that. They, they weren't like super popular on TV and have all this money and all this. They, they weren't, man. They were people just like me and they'd walk through stuff and they keep following God and they're on the other side still following God. That's a person that makes a difference. And guess what? You can be that person. I can be that person. Because right? I mean, think of it this way. People can be impressed. They can be impressed with your successes. All right? But they will be impacted by your scars, by the things that God brings you through. Right? The last three years, it's stuff that Connie and I have walked through. You know who I wanted to talk to? I didn't want to talk to a person who had it all together and looked great and never had any issues. I want to talk to people who were in the valley, man. I want to talk to someone who has walked that shadow and has experienced loss and experienced grief and experienced betrayal and has come out the other side. I, wanted to, I looked for authors who struggled with that who struggled with God, who struggled with the things that happened in their life and have come out the other side. People will be impacted. They can be, they can be impressed with your, with your successes, but man, they will be impacted by your scars, by the things that God has walked you through. God says, I put you right where I want you to be, so be faithful to me and follow me. 
Watch what I'll do with you. You're an important part of the body. Every, every body part is important. Every body part is important, right? I mean, there's body parts that we don't think about. I bet, how many of you got up this morning thinking of your small intestine? Anybody? Get out of bed and go, wow, my small intestine. It's awesome today. No, you got 10 feet of it, pretty important, right? You got two hands, two eyes, one nose, one mouth. You got 10 feet, a small intestine, yeah. How about bones? You got 206 bones in your body. You got millions of cells. Every part is important. They have a role to play. God knows what he's doing. He put every part together. If there are all one part, where would the body be? Verse 20, as it is, there are many parts, but one body. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. Listen to this. But God has combined or put together, that's what that word means, put together, all right, the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it. God has done this. He's put everybody where he wants them to be, giving you where he, what he wants you to have. Verse 25. Why? What's the point? Verse 25. So that, here it is, here's the conclusion, here's the outcome. So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. That's why God did it. So that we would be able to be together. Have equal concern one for another. Realizing that every person following Jesus is important. Matters. Your life matters. Your contribution. As you are faithful to the Lord, you have no idea how you're going to impact other people. You don't know, but God does. And so Jesus says, abide in me. Follow me. Now this works its way out practically speaking, in our lives through what we know as uh, the one another's that are listed in Scripture. By the way, these are commands. This is God's will. These are one another's. There's a bunch of them. I've listed some of them for you there on your paper. You can fill in some of these blanks, okay, and uh, keep, keep us focused and keep us rolling. But here, these are commands that God wants us as believers, His body, to follow and to obey. The first one is honor. Honor one another. Romans 12.10, honor one another. That means to give value to one another. To see one another as valuable. I'm going to honor you, not dishonor you. I'm going to honor you. You honor one another. Next, live in harmony with one another. There is, you know, in, in musical terms, right, you have one person singing the lead, vocal, and then someone comes along in harmony. Man, it just makes it sweet. We had some great harmonies going up here tonight makes it powerful. God wants that to happen because it expands the influence, right? Live in harmony with one another. Come together. Work together. Next one, accept one another. Accept one another. That doesn't mean we approve of everything everybody does. That's our culture. That's our woke culture. Accept, uh, acceptance in our woke culture means that you have to approve, not only approve, but you have to affirm. Not only affirm, you have got to cheer and you have got to rally behind whatever I say I am. Acceptance equals that. Well, that's not biblical acceptance, okay? Because we can accept one another without approving the sin and the brokenness in our lives. Again, the invitation is always come as we are, but be transformed, be healed, be encouraged towards Christ. So we accept one another. I want our church to be one of the most accepting places ever, 
as it should be. Somebody comes in, you've got a burden, you're hurting, you look a little different. We'll talk about that in a second. That's okay, man. We want to accept one another. Why? Because Jesus accepted us when we were at our worst. He accepted you when you were at your worst. You brought nothing to the table. I brought nothing to the table but our wickedness and our mess. And Jesus says, I love you. Come. I want to, I want to change your heart. I want to change your life. We are to accept one another. We are to encourage one another. That means we are to breathe courage, give courage to one another. Someone is weak, someone's struggling, we give courage to that person. Next one is greet one another. Greet, that means there is to be a spirit of welcome amongst believers. We greet one another. Next one is serve one another. What do you need? I'm going to show up for you. I'm going to serve you. Next one, be kind, compassionate, and forgiving to one another. Ephesians 4.32, be kind. Ever been around somebody who's just super kind? Isn't it a joy? Isn't it great? Be kind, be compassionate. That means, man, I feel for you. Emotionally, I'm going to enter into what's going on here with you. I care about that. And forgiving to one another. We need to forgive. We need to forgive because we're going to mess it up. We are sinners. We are sinners. You know that? How many of you know that? Turn to somebody, look at them, say, man, I love you, but you're a sinner. Just, uh, just, just tell them that. Yeah, you know it's true. Yeah, come on. We're going to get it wrong, so we need to forgive and be graceful toward, towards one another. Next one is admonish one another. That means we're going to cheer one another on in the right direction. We're going to admonish one another, man. Keep going. Don't give up. Spur on one another. That's even more intense, even more aggressive. Say, come on. We're going to spur one another on. Don't grumble against one another. Don't grumble against one another. Don't do it. God says don't do it. Confess your sins to one another. That means we're going to be honest about it. We're going to come clean with one another. We're not going to act like we got everything together because we don't. We don't. We confess. And by the way, when you confess, you know what that means? You're bringing something out into the light. That's how you kill it. That's how you kill sin. You expose it to the light of truth. In confession, that happens. Next one, pray for one another. It's what we're doing with our cards. It's what we're doing throughout the week. We're lifting one another. We're going before the very throne of the king of the universe and saying, here is my friend. Here is this person. Here is their needs. Oh, Lord, meet them. What a gift. What a powerful thing. Bear one another's burdens. That word for burdens means excessive weight. That means you can't, you can't shoulder it alone. You need somebody to come alongside and shoulder it with you. That's powerful. And that's what God says I want you to do. And the last one is the one that is listed the most in all of Scripture. On and on and over and over again. Love one another. Love one another. We are to love one another. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love includes really everything else that we have listed. If we love one another right, according to what God says love is, we are to love one another. And again, how important is that when you have a body that's different? That's different. And can we just, let's just be honest. It's just us and whoever's listening uh, by way of podcast. Let's just be honest. There's some weird people in church. Can we just be honest about that? Can we just say it? We all think it. Let's just say it. There's some weirdness going on in church. If you're sitting here going, I don't think there's any weird people. <laughs> well, I don't know how to tell you. Right? I mean, just look in our small congregation. I mean, come on. Tom, sitting in the back. He wears spurs and a cowboy hat. Tom doesn't own a horse. Yeah, not yet. He does own a gun. 
<laughs> For those who didn't see that, Tom yelled back, he says, I do own a gun. So there's, uh, yeah, I didn't hear that. Hey, listen, yeah, you know, that's where, look at me, man, I got, I got blunt, I just got my hair cut because I know some of you are going, hey, you got a cut. Yeah, my wife likes short hair, but it'll be great in about three weeks. Anyway, I have, uh, I've, I have long blonde hair, and people think I look like, like a surfer. I'm not lying. I'm not making this up. This, week, this past week, we were at, at Moody, a Bible Institute, where both our kids are, are in colleges. Last time we got to see them together, because uh, Dylan's graduating here in December. But we're seeing them together, and Lindsay, one of Lindsay's friends, came up to me and said, I'm so excited to meet you, because she's from Canada. She says, because, man, I, I used to come to Kingdom Bound, and... I would see this surfer guy speak at Kingdom Bound, and I found out, Lindsay, it's, you're her dad. You're the surfer guy. That's her dad. I'm like, <laughs> and I don't own a surfboard. I don't know how to surf. I live in Buffalo. I am weird, man. It's true. Those are two words you're never going to hear together, surf Buffalo. It's never going to happen. All right? All right? How many of you are early morning people? You love early morning. Look at those hands. Okay, how many of you, you love that the day would start at noon? Anybody? A couple of you? Yeah, yeah. You guys think each other are weird. You do. You think each other are weird. Some of you, you love being neat. Some of you think neatness is like a disease, you know? Some of you, uh, some of you don't like coffee. We are praying for you, just so that you know that. We are praying for you. Yeah. Listen, you look around and there is, some, there is just some weirdness going on in the church. And the, the truth is we're all a little weird in our way. And that's all right. You know why? Because we're a body. We work together. If we're all the same, right? Where would the hearing be? Where would the seeing be? Where, in this, where would the smelling be? Where would that be? We, yeah. And you know what? We rejoice together. We weep together. We, we struggle together. We pray together. Let me tell you a couple things we don't do. And I have them listed on your sheet for you. Because God's pretty serious about that. We don't gossip. We don't talk bad about one another behind each other's backs. We don't do that. God says don't do it. So we don't do it. Secondly, we don't cause division. There's, a, there's, there's some things in the Bible that God says He hates. There are some things that He says are an absolute abomination to Him. It can't get any stronger than that. In Proverbs 6, God says there are seven things that He hates. They are an abomination to him. Number seven, one of them is sowing seeds of discord among the brothers, among the community. Sowing seeds of discord. God says it is an abomination. Do not do it. Now we don't, we, listen, that, does, that doesn't mean we don't divide around, around truth. There's going to be times when we need to stand up for what is true and we're going to follow God. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about division within the body that is of the enemy. He loves to cause division. He loves to sow tares. And God says, don't do it. It's an abomination to me. You set yourself up against me when you choose to do that. So what do we do instead? Third thing there, we seek unity. We seek unity. Ephesians 4 tells us that we are to seek unity together. You know John 17? And Jesus, what is called his high priestly prayer, it's the longest recorded prayer of Jesus in the Bible. You know what he prays? He says, Father, I pray that they, speaking of us, that they would be one, Father, as you and I are one. He was praying for our unity. So every time we choose unity, we are an answer to Jesus' prayer. Every time we choose unity, we are an answer to Jesus' prayer. 
And so we lock arms together and we stand up for each other and we stand on God's truth and we move forward because, and I have it there, you can fill it in, the greatness of the mission is bigger than our differences. The greatness, the importance of the mission that God has given us is just bigger than our differences. And God will use our differences as we follow Him, as we, like I said, lock arms together. Because remember, we have an enemy. We have an absolute enemy that hates us, hates you, hates you. Ephesians 6, you know the passage. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, the schemes of the devil. Listen, you know what that tells us? That tells us that Satan is not just coming at this haphazardly. He is, he is coming after you with strategies, okay, with plans. He knows the buttons to push in you. He knows the buttons to push in your marriage. He knows the buttons to push in your parenting. He knows the button to push at work. He knows these things because he's strategic. The wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all, to stand. Praying always with all prayer and supplications in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all purification, perseverance and supplication supplication for all the saints we lock arms we stand by side by side we pray for one another and we move forward together because that is God's plan for us remember the early church that's why we call us vintage it means back to the original based on Acts chapter 2 what God planned for his church from the very beginning they gave themselves to four things devoted themselves is what the scripture says they devoted themselves and one of those four things is fellowship. The coming together for the sake of the mission. Fellowship. They devoted themselves. It wasn't a side issue. All right. It wasn't something they just thought about once in a while. They devoted themselves to fellowship, to coming together for the sake of God's mission. And that is what God wants for you and for me. So look at those one another's. How you doing there? How am I doing there? Let me just close with this. Satan wants you to go one of two ways in this. One, he wants you to look at that. He wants you to be filled with self-condemnation because you're not doing enough. You're so awful. You're so bad. Look at those things. Go right down them. You blow every single one. You're awful. He wants you to be filled with self-condemnation because you're not doing enough. Or he wants you to play the victim card. He wants you to look at those things and go, man, no one is doing those things for you. You are a victim because no one is doing those things for you. That's how he wants you. Listen, if he can get you to believe either of those, he wins. Why? Because the focus is where? Everyone revolves around me. Everything revolves around me. God revolves around me. I'm in the center. And that is a recipe for ruin. Satan wants that. Listen, don't forget, Satan hates God and he hates you. He's 100% jealous of you. You know why? Because you have something he will never, ever have, a relationship with God. 
And you are going to a place as a believer that he will never, ever, ever be allowed to go. Heaven. And he knows what it's like to be in the presence of God because he used to be there. He used to be there. So he knows how spectacular and awesome it was. Then he rebelled and he got kicked out. Never again will he be able to be there. That's where we're going. We're going to heaven. He's jealous of you. He hates you. He wants to blow up your life. He wants to ruin you. Wiles of the devil, man. He's after you. He's a roaring lion. And so he wants you to buy into either you're awful, condemn yourself, or you're a victim because everybody's awful towards you. God says, no, don't do that. Focus on me. Jesus said, abide in me and together, together, obey me. So you stay close to my love. You experience my joy like we talked about last week. And together, you can help one another grow and live on mission. Abide in me. So look at those. Which one is the Holy Spirit nudging your heart towards? This is one you need to pay attention to. This is the one you need to do some business with. Which one of those is God impressing on your heart? Please, please, please do not refuse the Spirit of God and His leading in your life. Please don't do it. I have done it and I have regretted it every single time. Don't do it. If God is impressing your heart on something and you're thinking that will be hard, you know what's harder? Not following Jesus, man. That's harder. In your heart, that's harder. In the long run, it is harder to refuse what God wants to do in your heart. So as you look at these things and the Holy Spirit starts to nudge you towards something, say, hey, I need you to pay attention to this. I need you to act on this. And I need you to act on this with this person. Don't refuse him. He's got a plan. He knows what he's doing. Jesus says, abide in me so that together together you can grow on mission with one another for his glory let's pray so heads bowed and eyes closed just for a moment what does God talk to you about what do you need to do what does he talk to you about what do you need to do and just take a moment just, just talk to him and respond to His Spirit. He loves you. Holy Spirit's job is to, to guide us into truth. The Lord will never lead you in a wrong way. He won't do it. So what is He talking to you about? And what do you need to do about it? What will you do about it? Last question for all of us here and for everyone listening online. Do you know where you're going to go when you die? Do you have a, a true relationship with Jesus Christ? Because you can. You can know. You can know you're going to heaven. You can know your sins are forgiven. You can know. But you have to go God's way. If we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in our heart that God has raised Him from the dead, we will be saved. If you're here or you're listening online, you're like, man, I need to know Jesus. I want to know for sure I'm going to heaven. This is my moment. Then just tell him that. Come to him on his terms. You're a sinner. You need a savior. And you're willing to give everything over to him.
If that's you, pray this prayer in your heart, not out loud. Mean the word is your own. Just voice this to your now, your soon-to-be Savior. Silently just say, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I believe you died for me. And you rose from the grave for me. That you have eternal life to give me. I want it. So I turn from my sin. I repent. I turn to you. Come in and save me. I'm all yours. I will follow you. In our room here tonight, his about eyes closed. If you just prayed that and you meant it, this was your moment. I just want to remember you in a closing prayer. I'm going to invite you to just raise your hand and say, Wes, I prayed it. God spoke to me tonight, man. I prayed it. Here's my hand. Pray for me. I just gave my life to Jesus. I just trusted him as my Savior. If that's you, I just want to pray for you. You're listening online and you just did that. You can go to our website there and under the tabs, How to Know God. I'll give you information to know what your next step is and to help walk you through the decision you just made, the most important decision of your life. And then a ways to contact us. We would love to know if there's a way we could help you. We'd love to celebrate with you about that. Father, thank you for your word. Jesus, thank you that you want us to abide in you, to stay close and connected. Father, I pray that you'd help us to do that together. Lord, help us to be a family, a church that loves you most and loves one another well. And that God, to get that together we would walk out this mission and that we would obey one another. Lord, we know that your will, so we know that when we ask you to help us with that, you will be active in answering that prayer because it's your will. It's what you already want done. So Lord, you are serious about this. Help us to be serious about it and live it out. For your glory, Jesus. Thank you, Christ. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church at Buffalo podcast. To connect with us and to get more encouraging biblical content, go to vcb.church.